0: That's, it, man, I got to tell you, Mike Tyson, like the biggest philosopher in the world right now into your 2022. What other philosophers or thinkers do you admire? I'll call young, it's really awesome. Oh yeah. And even though people just think this is stupid Nietzsche, it's really awesome. <laughs> Mike Tyson is just like me, he's my boyo. Bet you Mike Tyson watches this YouTube channel, he watches this YouTube channel and he's like, man, these two philosophers that this wild Irish man is banging on about, what? They are something else, they are blowing my mind. So here's the crack, let's give Mike Tyson some information about Nietzsche. Let's teach Mike Tyson and you filthy boyos. Let's teach you what Nietzsche meant when he talked about Dionysus and Apollo, because this idea is one of the most magnificent ideas that Nietzsche produced, and it so brilliantly explains our situation in the West right now. So first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how Dionysus and Apollo manifests in music, and then I'm going to talk to you about how this has a consequence for culture and how this matters so much to our current situation, where a lot of people are saying, what the hell is going on? Why is the culture gone so crazy? What's happening here? So first, we're going to play a game of spot the difference. I want you to watch this piece of classical music and notice much as you can about it Now Take that piece and compare the way the music is done and all that stuff and compare it to this bit of rock music. Notice the difference, for example, with how the crowd interacts, how the people present themselves, even how the music sounds, all these type of things. Check this out. So I'll give you a hint. I'll give you an out here. One is Dionysian and the other is Apollonian. And we'll explain this by looking at specific phenomenon from each. So first of all, look at the experience that is going on with the crowds. In the symphony orchestra, the Apollonian symphony orchestra, where being Apollonian represents being civilized, everybody is sitting down. They're not in some type of trance state like they are in the rock concert. They're not all there sweaty, smelling each other, tasting each other's juices as there's beer flinging on top of them and having this massive titanic speaker beside them blasting through their body, vibrating their body and whatnot. Instead, they're all sitting down there in their finest clothes, acting all upright and civilised, and really taking in the music. And the music is coming in not through their body, but through their minds. It goes into their ear and music is always a divine experience at its highest levels, but Perhaps with the Dionysian rock concert, it's more like a shamanic insanity where you let the music take you over and you turn into a near an animal and you're dancing around and you're moving and your body's moving. Instead for these symphony orchestra, classical music listeners, they are appreciators. They sit down and they let the music flow into their ears and it stimulates their brain. It's like watching a beautiful sunset. It's stimulating to the noggin. It gets the the synapses sparking, but it's not necessarily embodied. It's more intellectual. It's more profound. It's more high. Higher. It's more, uh, more detailed to the, the super senses, to our ability to see, our ability to appreciate order and melody. And for that reason, the way that the music comes across is far more melodic and aimed at stimulating the brain. It's, it's relaxing, it's peaceful, it's joyous, it's it's stimulating in its majesty. It hits the higher parts of our heads. It's rich. It's sophisticated. Whereas, of course, as I've said uh, plenty of times, the experience of the crowd, if you go to a Dionysian concert, is about a different experience altogether. It's about being fit Physical. The, the music as well is more suited towards physicality, it's a more physical music which we'll talk about in a moment and one of the most interesting aspects of Dionysus and Apollo is how we split between the, the, the set of senses that we have so for example Apollo is really suited towards the senses that deal with energy and distance our ability to see very far our ability to hear where we can detect sound waves and energy light is of course energy and this is what we stimulate when we're watching symphony orchestras with classical music but of course Dionysian rock music this is far more felt so when you go to a rock concert as I said you're going to be touching people you're going to be stuck in a mosh pit in a mob it's going to be you're going to taste people and smell you're going to smell their breath their hair you're going to smell these type of things the packing hard um, floors you're going to feel all that type of stuff you're going to dance you're going to move your hips are going to move dionysian stuff is instinctive animalistic and frenzied in a different way all t- so take a look at this mosh p The next thing I would draw your attention to in regards to the music is of course the style of music, how the music comes across. So for example, Apollonian Symphony Orchestra music, again, is very geared towards the higher senses, the senses of energy and the senses of order and detail. Apollonian music, civilized music. When we become sophisticated and civilized, we want to ascend into the realm of the gods. We want to get out of the ugly sexual urges, the lower animalistic urges, like where we poop from. We want to get away from touch. We want to get away from vibrations and feelings in the body, smells, taste. These are all lower things that we don't want. They're all Dionysian, horrible, uncivilized, pagan, satanic, animalistic things. Instead, we want to rise. We want to rise up into what's clear and beautiful and perfect ordered and harmonic we want to rise into the world of the astral plane into mathematics into sophistication of course for this reason the music of classical music is all about order it's all about harmony and symphony it's all about it's all about putting Forty, fifty different instruments all working together as one, doing these little pieces like precise mathematics, like a, like constructing and engineering an aeroplane to be able to fly through the try to fly through the sky. The same sort of Apollonian instinct is present in this music, and you're detailing everything out so it all works together. And then the experience for someone listening to it is it's like watching something. It's like God composing something. You know, you look out at a beautiful uh, cloud, or you look out at a, a, a beautiful uh, field full of forest, full of trees and full of flowers, and you look at it. And you say, how had God, has God been so sophisticated to create such a beauty, such majesty all at once? It looks so perfect. It looks so beautiful in and of itself. It's, it's a hand of something amazing. There's this secret super order that I can't even comprehend. Looking up at the stars, you see all this wonder and majesty. And of course, this is what is present in the music of classical music. And so for this reason, it's all melody. It's all harmony. It's all getting these Things working together in symphony. And it's stimulating the, the sound and the style. But it takes rhythm out of it quite a lot. Even though there's rhythm in it. Even though there's rhythm. There's actually very sophisticated rhythms in classical music. It's not muscular rhythm. It's not obnoxious. Like what you just heard with the metal music. The metal music is very in-your-face. Very aggressive. There's a big, strong backbeat. <laughs> the simplest one of all and this is what you think about with Dionysian music you pull back into the animalistic world and of course what you immediately notice is that melody gets pushed aside the, the, the rhythms become more important the guitar for example in metal music is literally just drones repetitive repetitive sounds with big thick muscular drums techno music rap music pop music rock music it's all the same in this regard because it's all Dionysian music and it's moving you down into the senses of your heart beating. What does your heart do inside your body? What do you do when you feel your blood moving? Feel your heart doing? You dance. What does an animal do when it runs? Its heart gets louder. When you run, when you move, when you get energy moving through your body, what happens to your heart? You hear it go in your chest. And further, everything lower starts to get celebrated. The the You want music that stimulates movement. You want music that gets you going, gets you vibing, gets you gets you gets you, gets you feeling it inside your body so to get your body moving so you get sweaty, so you get touching people. It's like sex in the sense that it's rhythmic, it's intense, it's passionate, it gets your heart rate up. There's smells, there's taste, it's intense, there's slapping. There's all sorts of crazy shit going on. I'm slapping stuff? Really? <laughs> no, I'm an Apollonian lovemaker. Believe me, there's no slapping. I, it's missionary only when it comes down to me that's how it works all right I just sit there and I like you know cross do my sign at a cross and I just get it done I get it done as quick as possible purely for fertility purposes as well so the the focus the focus in Dionysian music is on get stimulating animated energy stimulated instinct getting people feeling the vibes but for that reason it is fallen it is satanic it is something that does not have that higher order and that sophistication as much it sacrifices sophistication and style and melody and higher things for the sake of the lower for the take of the instinctive. This is why you see music eventually reaching the point it has now uh, over the last hundred years where it's pretty much entirely dedicated to dancing to movement. This is why when you hear modern music now, the point of it really is to just slap you with this beat and get people to stand up, get the girls to stand up and, and start partying and start, you know, drinking more drinks and all this type of stuff. It's gone to that point where it's just pure animalistic instinctive sex music, love music, passion music, party music, pure life force, pure animated life force, pure movement in this regard. Now, of course, because of this, there's a very profound stylistic difference in how this music is made, how the musician experiences the music. So, for example, if you're in a symphony orchestra, you're going to be reading. Of all things, you're going to be using your eyes. You're not really going to be using your body to feel the music. Whereas if you're in a jazz band or a rock band or you're even um, doing something DJ based, if that's even real music, is it? Should we start that argument, should we? You're not going to be, you're not going to really be too intellectual about it. You probably won't even be able to read music. You'll be vibing with each other. Two guitarists stand up and they start to jam and beside each other. They start to play music together and sort of say, All right, this is what's going on. This is, I'm feeling, I'm feeling where you're at. We're improvising, we're playing it on the fly. There's no real, Order to it. They maybe have a vague sense of the structure inside of their heads, and they have the beats. But they'll allow themselves to do solos and stuff like this. And they're not going to be super strict. They're not going to plan it out in advance. They're not going to be you know nerds like that. They're not going to be Apollonian nerds. But instead, for the musician who's within the symphony orchestra, their individuality in some sense is massively restricted, and they're handed a piece of paper that is given to them by the orchestra, um, the the conductor, and they're said, "All right, you want to play this exactly when the timing comes, and you need to follow this, and you need to be very literate." and intelligent, and you need to be following along with the entire symphony, and you have your little place within it. And it's very intellectual, and the experience of music is not necessarily as as vibey as the other one. And it, this goes to become a general trend because the way that the musician learns the music is that they are, you know, usually put into music school from a very young age. They are taught this incredibly sophisticated ordering experience, and it suits the type of person who's very studious, is very academic experience. They become very, very good at like reading music and stuff like this. But it might not be Necessarily as expressive as, say, for example, if they said "fuck you," the school dropped out of school and went and joined a band or something like that, and then they went and they just, you know, made music based on what they feel, very Dionysian, and that, and then it went and became a chaotic member of the world doing on this. But of course, the downside of being Dionysian, because this is an important thing to keep in mind, is that you can't really create things of great sophistication. Dionysian stuff is always a race to the bottom; it's always a race to the most impulsive and instinctive experience that's possible. Whereas this ability to create reading music, to create music that can orchestrate a huge amount of people to play all in synchronicity and all at the same time, this gives us the ability to create super high quality works, works that stand the test of time and really hit us as like something where humanity reached nearly close to God. You could say where humanity reached one of its Apollonian civilized peaks because that's what G- Apollo is. He is the God of ideals. He is the God of the heights. He's the God of sophistication and super Intelligence. He is the god of perfection. Through reaching up towards Apollo, man proves that he is above the animals. He rejoices among the gods, proving that he has a divine fragment within himself. Through his art, he experiences the ecstasy of the highest. Now we get to the creators of the music, the composer versus the band okay so think about what happens when you are a composer how the composer orchestrates himself and think of this culturally think about the vibes in society where they would permit you to stand up as a, a male on top of the orchestra as the rational ordering man who came up with this vision like God who came up with the vision of how the world should work how the reality should work how the symphony should work and you hand out this script to all these other unterments these plebs these people lower down in the hierarchy like a brain operating a body I guess I shouldn't speak with the language of disrespect because the the brain obviously needs the body as much as the body needs the brain so there's a symbiotic relationship going on here but the brain the conductor gives orders it's the king it's the high priest it's the brain it's the noggin it's the cerebral intelligence the rational mind God giving orders to the the underlings the the angels the the body beneath them the cells beneath them and commanding them what to do and he doesn't actually play an instrument himself which is amazing when you think about it about it, you know? He doesn't even touch the instruments with his hand. He simply conducts entirely. He is the pure leader. Just like God, he's not a part of the song. He's outside the song, controlling the song. And he's the creator, he's the mover, but he's not part of it. And this is exactly what an Apollonian style of music would represent itself as. It is outside, it's a a divine entity outside controlling and ordering, but not actually a part of it. It's absolutely fascinating. And of course, this goes along with the society of the time where everybody, you know, we. lived in a strict hierarchy. There was the church above and then there was the kings and everything was extremely hierarchical and everything was ordered and everybody had their place and all this type of stuff. It was very suitable to the time. And there was no one standing out there in the middle of the song doing a guitar solo, freestyling, improvising some type of jazz jazz saxophone because that was silly. Now, think, compare this to modern music. Modern music has no controlling center. Modern music is the music of democracy, the music of the equal equality age, the music where the, the conductor wouldn't make sense at all. In fact, all of us, the Dionysian ones, are a part of the music. The creators create the music. They're a part of the music. They live within the music. When they present the music to you, they play it themselves. They, like, there's no such thing as a conductor. There's no such thing as this abstract, rational being or entity that stands outside the music. Instead, they are dancing with you. They are headbanging with you. They are part of it too. And there's no hierarchy. Like a rock band is is equally distributed. You know, you have uh, every member is a part of it. A jazz band, every member is the superstar. And in fact, even in rock music and jazz music, every member has an opportunity to freestyle. We pass it around and we give the members each a chance for them to express themselves. It's very much about individualism, democracy, the things that are common in our type of society. And of course, this goes along with being dy- Dionysian it goes along with being consumed and pulled down by the mob into the democratic equalised mob the mob consciousness where you know your sort of expression is the thing that comes up to the top of it not your sophistication not that restriction not this idea that this man this conductor who is chosen to conduct is the one who has been proven who has proven himself as the most excellent creator instead it's more about like everybody is a say the quality of the music gets pulled down the vibe and the beats and the expressive energy is more that matters and everybody can do it and everybody's sort of Free and open to to, to to vibing with your music as long as you can make them move. There's no higher demands on sophisticated order and all this stuff. And so the creators the creators get into a Dionysian trance. In fact, the way they make the music is, in fact, Dionysian. They do it where they're vibing. They're probably whacked or stoned or, you know, like on drugs of some sort to kind of get themselves in that shamanic state. And then they produce the music and it comes out of them and they share it among the crowd. It's very much a, a open relationship in that time. And this leads us to the archetype of the rock star. The orchestra conductor is a different attitude, an Apollonian archetype. It's like the general of an army. It's like God. It's like the high divine character that stands outside. It's an archetype that would have been appreciated an awful lot more in the past, the sophisticated man ordering a system or a team underneath him. But instead, what we revere in our culture and in our Dionysian age is we revere the rock star, the lead singer, the character, the the, the guy, the young guy usually, who thrusts himself into the crowd. And literally, one of the Dionysian myths was the idea of the Dionysus would be this character from the East who was had a a wandering band with him of satyrs who were dancers and singers and crazy half goat men, highly sexually aroused, sexual frenzy and all the women would go insane when he'd arrive in the town and the way that his life would end is that he would get all the women up into this instinctive frenzy, this sexualized frenzy of love and passion and rock and roll, sex, drugs and rock and roll and then what would happen is they would just go insane, they would be like wow I fucking love this guy and then all the girls, you know women are obviously insane would turn around and be like I love this guy, this guy so much, he's so cool isn't he and they'd all run over and to grab him and just pull him apart they'd rip all his fucking limbs off and they eat him alive the the would just go nuts and they would like oh my god Dionysus is here he's such cool he's so cool he's so hot right now he's so hot right now they eat the man alive they'd rip him apart pull him limb from limb and consume his body and just go raw, raw, like animals they, they eat him they eat him out of pure love and passion you're kind of thinking to yourself yeah that explains that that's women's true nature on show right there Within no time, Jean-Baptiste Grenouille had disappeared from the face of the earth. When they had finished, they felt a virginal glow of happiness. For the first time in their lives, they believed that they had done something purely out of love. And uh, they they do this, boys, all right? And then I want you to check out the rock star because the rock star is literally living this archetype. Look at the rock star when he crowd surfs, for example. Now this finally brings me to the point, and the reason why this idea from Nietzsche was such a big deal, because Nietzsche often said that we are entering a dionysian age that the new god is the god dionysus and a lot of people are sort of like well what the hell does that even mean nietzsche what are we going to strip butt naked and run around dancing and all this type of stuff it doesn't quite make sense and of course a lot of people talk to you about nietzsche have low iqs and they're book copers they don't have the natural charisma natural magnet magnetism the natural anima that i possess because i've lived the life of a complete person of an individuated man, oh Jesus, maybe I shouldn't start saying stuff like that, I'll get struck down by lightning, young above in heaven will strike me down for for hubris if I'm not careful. So the way a culture works is it begins Dionysian. Like everything, your life begins Dionysian. What does that mean? You're born not perfect. You're born full of potential. To be a kid, you're full of all the possibilities of your life. And All you are is made of instincts. As a baby, you're just this raw block and blob of instincts. And when you become a teenager, you know, you're just all hormones and testosterone. You're very, very instinctive. And the process of your life is you spend quite a long time, you know, as formulating, full of energy, shooting up like a little sprout, pushing up with your vitality. And over the course of your life, you're you're under more and more pressure to actualize yourself which means fulfill your potential which means get yourself as close to the ideal version of yourself that you could be you could say you can call this to individuate if you wanted to put it this way so for, for example i'm steph i am blessed with a very strong imagination and when i was young that was vitally powerful within me it was, it was absolutely shining inside of my mind and the struggle of my life the war of my life is to try get the most out milk that imagination for everything it can so i can leave my impression leave my legacy upon earth and once i hit my peak once i go and I produce um, maybe the greatest set of ideas or set of works that I could ever possibly produce. That's sort of my Apollonian moment. That's when I've hit my peak, my pinnacle. And what will happen is it will sort of all be downhill from there. I'll be past my best. I'll have achieved what we call apotheosis. I'll have become divine. I'll have become eternal. This is the old Greek idea. I will have left my legacy, which would have made me immortal, which would have put me beyond the animalistic world of death and um, and life and forms and passing way Very interesting idea. The Greeks believed this with warriors. Achilles, born of vitality as a child develops that fight- vitality but instinctively he's a monster, takes that Dionysian frenzy and energy, pushes himself into skill and capacity and then in his late 20s he goes and he goes and fights in a great war and in that great war he stamps his legacy he becomes Apollonian, he becomes a god He, with his perfect technique and perfect form he represents himself at his fullest potential and then boom, he, he becomes a, a, a he leaves a legacy that is immortal and that lasts beyond him, he enters up into the realm of the gods, the realm of ideas, the realm of abstraction the realm of stories the realm of memories Conor McGregor same sort of idea you have Conor McGregor as a young man he's full of aggression he wants to fight he has the will to fight inside of him but he might not be skilled enough yet okay but you have the vitality and it's a very difficult thing for an athlete because you have the vitality when you're young but you don't have the skill but as you get older your vitality drops but your skill increases and there'll come a point where your vitality will be too low for you to be able to compete so for example if you're 40 years old you're never really going to be able to compete properly as a fighter there might be a, a few rare exceptions but at that point so many things start to fall. So many, like testosterone, hor- human growth hormone, all these type of chemicals inside of you drop because the Dionysian instinct, animalistic raw power is going at that point and you, you, you're you past your peak. So you had this sort of middle moment where you could have been Apollonian for a moment. You could have hit godlikeness, likeness right? And now that's been crystallized. It's been finalized. Your potential has been fulfilled and you're up there and dazzling in the stars, okay? Now, this is sort of a life cycle thing. You begin Dionysian, you end Apollonian. Apollonian, okay, and everything has this inside of it, even uh, musical trends and stuff like this. And this is what I'm talking about. But also civilizational trends. So, for example, the Roman Empire began Dionysian. It began with a load of pagans saying that we all follow the god Mars. What was Mars? The instinct of testosterone and violence, and they were vital and strong. They're full of fury, and they Romulus and Remus. They wanted to win. They wanted to take over the fucking world. They were chads. They were monsters. They were full of tea, full of burning full of it like they're injecting shit into themselves they're like i can feel all the power and then what happened they succeeded they went and they crushed and they crusaded and they and then they reached their peak they created you know the imperium pax romana they created the one of the greatest most lasting legacies in all of time they became eternal in every sense of the world they created the great great roman imperium but that was their peak you know pax romana around about around about a- aurelius and all that type of stuff this was um four, two or three 400 i don't know my history that well but like a couple of hundred years before they fell they they were at their peak. Okay, and that's really, really important because once they reached their peak, they were Apollonian. They'd achieved perfection. They had rejoiced among themselves and said, Us Romans have individuated. We had we've achieved apotheosis. We've achieved incredible stuff. But what starts to happen is they sort of get old. They get old and they get frail and they begin to fall. And all, all this potential that they've reached no longer has the vitality to support itself. So Rome becomes a bit stale. They lose sense of their religion. They forget the 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 roots of the you know the Martian paganism that brought them there they they lose the run of themselves they get tired they get old they get frail they get fragile like an old body you know and after they become Apollonian in their peak they start to become a bit sterile and this is like a body dying you know you have you have that body you grow to your adulthood your peak your maximum and then you get tired and then you get you, you, you get a bit fatigued and you just don't really have it in you anymore and then eventually what will happen is your body will die you will fall down on the floor and all the flesh will rot and all the vitality will go and the spirit of life the Dionysian spirit of life that animates you will leave. And all that will be left will be the structure, the Apollonian structure, which was the bones. That will be left behind, but nothing else. Everything else will be gone. And all that will be left will be your legacy, the Apollonian legacy, and the firm ordered structures of your bones that put you there. And after that, it's all gone. All the Dionysian life force is over. All the flesh, the Dionysian flesh is gone. It's actually quite magical when you think about it. And the same happens with Rome. What we have left of Rome is the memories, and of course the skeleton. We see the Colosseum these days, but there's no Romans. There's no. There's none of the the stuff is none of the stuff is active. None of the flesh is on the bones. The heartbeat is not there. It's gone. It's past. It's it's gone into history. It's gone into the Dionysian flow of time. This eternal earth of samsara and churning forms. It's over. Now, what's quite interesting is that there's a cycle of rising and falling because for every every time something hits Apollonia, and every time you hit adulthood, there's someone else who is born at the same day. So what happens? with the Romans is that as the Romans hit their Apollonian peak and began to fall, other forces started off, for example, Christ and Christianity was born right in the middle of the Roman peak. Right at the peak of their power, we have this new Dionysian force erupt. And this shoots into Rome and actually takes over Rome. Because as Rome was falling, Christianity was rising. Christianity ended up finding its way into Rome as a Dionysian force. And actually at the same time, as the Romans were reaching their peak, the Germans who lived up in, the Northern Europeans uh, up there in the Germanic world, lived up in the forest. And these were people that the Romans couldn't conquer, but they were barbarians. They were butt-naked, dirty motherfuckers running around without wiping, you know, and, you know, like, running around there, chasing after pigs, not cleaning themselves, not showering and stuff like this. They weren't really, you know, that sophisticated, that civilised. They weren't that Apollonian. They were pure Dionysian. They used to wear bears on their heads. What the fuck are they up to? Like, mad jokes. And then what happens is as Rome falls, these guys actually start to hit a sort of crescendo, their vitality begins to rise, and they become the people who conquer the old Roman Empire. They become the masters of Europe. They become the aristocracy, the Dionysian neo-force, and they actually bind with Christianity. So we have these two profound Dionysian forces, coming and taking over Rome. It's absolutely fascinating. These two forces, these two new Dionysian forces, like animals finding a dying elephant or dying lion or something like that, they run over and they eat the flesh of Rome. And they take the flesh and turn it into themselves. And this is the natural process of life. And so what was the West? How did the West get created? Really think about this. How did the West get created? Because Rome started and then Rome crumbled. And then of all things two, two, two people, two characters, two phenomenon from the fringes of their empire, the Jewish christianity and the german barbarians were the ones who ended up achieving ascendancy over rome it's it's surreal to think of that you know to, to see the scope of history the irony like imagine telling a roman that they'd be so black built they'd sit down if you brought a roman back to life with time travel and said yeah yeah by the way so you started to believe in the jewish religion and you st- and you're you're basically got ruled by germans they'd be like they just sit down there they'd be like they be like, they'd be like uh, the guys from Narcos uh, Escobar they'd just be standing outside just looking up into the distance for hours they're like are you serious what those no that couldn't have happened it's like yeah bro I'm sorry sorry Romulus sorry uh, sorry Aurelius sorry about that bro but it was it was pretty bleak they're like oh Jesus man sorry Trajan it's, it's over man this is how it happened because the point being is that these these were vital forces new forces and, and of course and this is where things become important because they created the West. They created the West and then they went on this maturation cycle. And this is what happened with the West. The West started Dionysian as a combination of Germanic northerners and the Christianity. And these two forces sort of went up together and they went up and they reached their their ascendancy and they sort of started to reach their pinnacle, their adulthood, we could say perhaps around the, the Renaissance or something like this. And this began this sort of period of, of, of ap- apotheosis. This is when the West began to establish itself as creating something that was just never seen before in history. You know, like we, this is where you start Started to see the high art of the Renaissance, the, the 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 beginnings of science, the sort of beginnings of this incredible culture that the West came to represent. Now, Nietzsche was hyper-conscious of this because Nietzsche saw all this, and Nietzsche was sitting in the 19th century, essentially at the be the, the very absolute peak. This would be like, you know, the athlete at 35 years old. He's he's just after beating everybody. He's world champion, and he's standing there and he's like, you know, you can imagine. Conor McGregor or Floyd Mayweather, you know, he's like, he's after, B- he's just a world conqueror. He's just achieved incredible things. And this is literally what the Europeans were. They were world conquerors. Their Dionysian power had now been fully ap- turned into the Apollonian power. And this is the point I'm trying to make here when you look at all this, is that a lot of this classical music that we're talking about came from this situation. A lot of this classical music was them expressing themselves at this, this Apollonian sophistication because the Europeans understood themselves in an Apollonian way. We are incredible. We are the masters of the entire globe. And this music of theirs was a representation of that. We are rational. We are aligned with God. We are sophisticated in this way. Because classical music actually followed this 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 trajectory. Classical music was not always like this. It evolved just the same. It had its roots in a more Dionysian state. It was sort of like, an, an awful lot of it was like folkish music. And it sort of evolved through, and the church, the, the folkish music of the Germanic people, combined with the church, combined with many other influences, but began a little bit Dionysian and disorganized and it rose up and it reached a peak in that sort of 18th 19th century that's when it really started to just click started to hit and started to show you something that was perfection something that's going to leave a legacy that lasts forever there's an immortality to that no matter whatever happens to the west people will look back in that period like they look back in Rome and be like there's something achieved there that was never seen before in history and might never be seen again Symphony orchestras. There's something else. There's something. There's something perfect about them. All across the world, people look at those and they look at them as an achievement beyond. It just. It's. It's. It's mind blowing. Like what. What was pulled off there was just so perfect and beautiful, so sophisticated, and it's so difficult to get that stuff correct. And of course, Nietzsche was sitting there in the midst of this in Germany, where a lot of almost the majority of this stuff came from, because they were the sort of people that were at the center of the West. They were the the, the center of Europe, the Holy Roman Empire. And what happens is Nietzsche sits around and he looks at all this and he sort of says, "Man, we're we're like we're the 36-year-old athlete, you know, like this is this is this is over, you know. It's, it's amazing, but we, we're all very proud of ourselves. We've won the world champions, but bro, this is going like like it can It doesn't have any legs left. Our vitality is essentially gone, and it's all going to start to implode. It's all going to start to crumble. It's all going to start to fall down. And and what's going to happen next is that." Like, this isn't going to last. Like, there's going to be a new energy that comes. And this is what he meant by this whole God is dead thing. And people really struggle to understand this, because I'm the only legit motherfucker who's got the, the, the brain, because I don't read the books. I just like, you know, I just listen to YouTube videos about it that I myself make and then come to conclusions based on this. He, he's, he's sitting there and he's saying to himself, all right, well, this Apollonian, re- God is an, a representation of that Apollonian divine place. Christianity had reached its peak in this culture. The Germans had reached their peak in this culture. And he's like, it's over. They're done. The vitality is gone. They're going to have to fall before something new comes. And so he makes this prediction. He says, God is dead. And we're in this stage now where is Apollonian West is going to crumble all around us and we're going to be thrust into a chaotic period for two to three hundred years and during this chaotic period it's going to be like the fall of the Roman Empire where everything is going to fall down and what will happen is the instinctive Dionysian energies will be the things that favor us because when you're at that Apollonian peak you're doing very very like the athlete but then when things go chaotic and crazy you sort of have to rely on your instincts you can't rely on vision and and hearing when for example. example there's an explosion going on or you're stuck in a rainstorm you have to get down on your knees and feel to the floor and find your way around so he was saying that for the next 200 300 years there's going to be this madness this chaos this insanity that goes on around us that we need to find our way through we need to feel our way through this is what we need to do And what's fascinating is that he said that this Dionysian force will be ever-present. It will appear in everything, and it does. It appears in all forms across culture. And one of the most significant ones, as I've pointed out, is music. You can see it directly happen in music. We move from this big... Apollonian, sophisticated, with all these traits that I talked about, into this Dionysian approach to music. This approach to music where the rock star rises up as someone preferable. We go for smaller. We don't focus on sophistication anymore. We focus more on uh, on impulse, on instinct. And it's very much a zeitgeist thing, a signal of our times. All of our music is dominated in this way. Our music, music is in some sense simpler, more Dionysian, more instinctive, more aggressive. And this is the direction that we're going with all this stuff. And this is a very profound thing to see when you see it because it's almost like Nietzsche predicted that destiny for us a lot of people say that our modern culture is degenerate and this is absolutely true because we are in some sense degenerating and we're waiting we're in this sort of half limbo state where we're waiting for new Dionysian energies to to, to wake up and what will happen is there'll be some clear winners there'll be some clear Dionysian forces that leap forward and claim the world for themselves claim the West for themselves claim reality for themselves and these forces will end up consolidating themselves just like the Germans did when Rome fell they'll end up grabbing hold of whatever the the, the carcass of the West is and they'll claim themselves and they'll they'll begin to individuate themselves and eventually they'll go on an ascendancy that will lead to their maturation and their apotheosis and a statement of their power an expression of their magnitude and they'll lift themselves up into the divine but where we stand is we're actually at the start of that process we're back where the Germans were and an awful lot of people are sort of like oh Ooh. I want to go back, I want to go back to Christianity I want to go back to the trad world, I want to do all these type of things, I want to go back it's like you can't go back you can't re- rewind the clock, that's not how history works, I'm sure there's lots of Romans who wanted to go back to the glory of old paganism, the old Roman army but it just didn't work like that, Christianity was their destiny, the Goths, the Germans these motherfucking barbarians, blonde barbarians from the north, They that was their destiny, they were the ones who were in ascendancy and we're in the same situation now where you have to start looking around and say, where's the vital, animated Dionysian instincts rising out of us, out of the chthonic world. Who has the power? And if you can't see many people with the power, do you have the power? Can you find within yourself the Dionysian impulse? Are you able to find that within yourself? Because that's going to be the thing that carries you. But the final important thing, don't fall for the trick, because you'll see an awful lot of the cultural trends is like completely go Dionysian go Dionysian and just dissolve dissolve into the the the, to the the blob of current life and all this and this is what's creating what Nietzsche called the last man I'll talk about that another time and it's like you know lose all your standards have no no hope for the future have no goals have none of that type of stuff but no Nietzsche was saying that we have to first go Dionysian get into our into our instincts feel the vibes get more vital get more aggressive fall down into the chthonic world connect again with something vital inside of ourselves get our bodies on our sides once again and then we have to understand that we need to use this vitality to shoot up towards something Apollonian. We need to be aiming hundreds of years into the future for something Apollonian, something high, something that is beyond, something that is divine in its quality. Nietzsche loved the Apollonian things as well, but he just knew that cur- our current times was not appropriate for that. And of course, what did he propose? He suggested our Apollonian ideal should be the Ubermensch. And so in coming videos I will talk to you about what type of Dionysian forces are out there, what type of powers that you need to find within yourself in order to make the most of the current situation, because Of course, a lot of people are very worried. This whole Dionysian fall of the West is a real thing. The West is crumbling like Rome was, but that doesn't mean there's no opportunities. As I keep stressing, Rome probably felt like the end of the world to the Romans, but to the Germans, to the Goths, to Christianity, it was a new beginning that saw them rise and create something that stood and lasted a legacy forever. And that is something that should keep you optimistic, and that is exactly what I am. This is what I'm pushing. This is the thing that I'm selling. I'm saying you've got to be white-pilled. Got to be optimistic you've got to be in favor of it but you will not be able to take advantage of what's going on unless you are good enough. Most people out there are sufferers of this decadence in culture, of this fall of the West. And for that reason, they are not good enough. They are addicted to stuff, bullshit, they're overweight, they've got all these types of issues, they're not intelligent, they are not. Un- they don't understand how, for example, things like finances work, they don't understand how to be a leader, they don't under- understand how to lead themselves. They don't have the pursuit of excellence core, baked into the very core of their life. Now, I was very, very lucky that I took influences like Friedrich Nietzsche who constantly hammers at your head and says be excellent be excellent be excellent so I've been spending a long time making the most out of myself learning to speak getting juicy and strong getting articulate working on all these type of things so I can be in a fantastic position to take advantage of whatever happens no matter if we go into a reception recession no matter if the entire world falls apart and all these type of things but you have to say to yourself do you have that same stuff put into place and are you around groups of people who are excellent and of course when I talk about the Boyo program, when I talk about coming on board and working with me, when I talk about coming in and finding like-minded people in my network that would you, you would like to work with, this is what I'm talking about. I focus on educating people who don't have the skills yet, who are not good enough, who don't have excellence yet, and I also make sure if I find people that are excellent to put them in touch with other people I know that are excellent. So if you're interested in coming on board and getting educated by me or being connected by me to other people and myself who are good enough and who are focused on doing these type of things, go down below. You can book a free call with me or a member of my team. We'll sit down and we'll chat to you about your situation and see what's going on. Now, I'm not going to harass you too much about the Boyo program and all these type of things, but I have made a second channel down below. That will be in the link in the description as well, which talks about the various skills, the various tools, the various assets and all this type of stuff that are required to be Excellent. the leadership skills that are necessary the the communication skills how to organize a team around yourself how to get yourself started if you need all this type of stuff so this could be like the uber boy or professional brand or something like this so if you want to learn more about that stuff you want to learn more about what i'm talking about here go down below check out that link in the description and you can get educated you can watch videos that describe what i'm talking about in more detail it's a little bit more pragmatic than enough i won't be talking about dionysus too much let me put it this way so that might be handier okay so that is down there go and check that stuff out if you're interested in working with me, if you think you got some type of assets or skills that we could use and get you to work on, or if you want to start doing something like build your personal brand, build your team, get yourself, get to learn some skills that are going to put you in an anti fragile state and get on board with a load of people who are thinking with the same values as you are that are interested in making the world juicy, or if you're an artist who wants to create stuff that is not, you know, dorky and stupid and full of ideology that's often going on nowadays, as I said, down below, check that link, check the link in the top comments, check out the videos, look at that stuff I'm doing on the inside, hop over and have a call, tell us a bit about your situation and make sure you're bringing your best juice to that one so thank you very much for your time thank you very much for watching and i hope you enjoyed and i'll talk to you later stay juicy goodbye